Welcome to Yours, Mine, and Ours. I'm your host, Gabrielle Cardona, and I'm a relationship coach. Relationships are about dynamics between people. We have yours, we have mine, and we have ours. What I bring to the relationship and what you bring to the relationship are two very distinct things. And when we come together, what we create in a relationship is even something different. So in my show, I talk to people, including callers, listeners, about how to be successful in relationships. I've actually been a relationship coach for 15 years. I just spent the first 13 of them realizing that everything that people do in life is about their relationships. So today I have a very special guest. We're going to be talking about an important theme, and that is slow down. When we're talking about relationships, when we're talking about life, it's really a lot about how much we're focused, how much we have time, but also where we spend our time. We've been alone for a long time, right, with this coronavirus. When we have the coronavirus that's isolating us, we realize, you know what, relationships really are important. But if we're not allowed to be together, what are we going to do? I think when we're talking about spending time together, Thomas, why don't you tell us a little bit about what it is that you do with people? You've had, you've had a lot of experience. You've had a lot of history working with people in different settings. What's a little bit about your background? You mean as far as uh, what I do for a living or? Yeah, yeah. What you do, how you help people personally in relationships. Well, the, I think that the, the biggest thing is, is people, uh, I think one of the things we want to talk about is, is trying to slow down. And uh, the thing that uh, I, I try to do with people is to try to connect more with what they're uh, doing with their lives. You know, I don't know. Um, we always talk about time and we don't yes. have we don't, we don't have time for anything because uh, even with the coronavirus around here, we always try to figure out that think that we don't have time available. But well, uh, well you've you've written two books. The first one is Finding Your True North, right. a bullied teen's journey of hope. And then a book on homelessness called Nowhere Man. You have your own radio show called Life Without Limits. And you speak in schools and churches and organizations about empowerment and how to deal with bullying. You know, our relationships have literally changed in the last two months because of this coronavirus. But our needs haven't changed and the way we relate to each other really on an emotional fundamental level hasn't changed, but our, our environment has changed. So tell us a little bit about what experience you've had, your personal professional experience in relationships, the way people relate to each other and what they need when they're together. I think that one of the things that I've noticed, I've been married uh, over over 30 years, so I don't know how long you've been married, but uh, <laughs> 25, <laughs> 25 years. So, yeah. yeah. So it's 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 a battle sometimes as far as trying to find time for each other. <clears throat> but, you know, we, we talked about my book and my radio show and everything. Um, <clears throat> excuse me. I try to fit it in around the time that I want to spend with my wife. Thank my you. show my show is at nine o'clock. In and, the morning or at night? Oh, it's at night. It's at there night, you night, go. 9 p.m. And my yeah. wife is asleep by then. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's nice. That's nice. Then you don't feel divided about, you know, where you're actually going to put your attention. But but yeah. the, the show today is about slowing down. Well, you know what? I've, I've been coaching people for, you know, 15 years, and I've had to kind of explain it in the... <laughs> Hmm. This is some practical advice of how to do it. But now everything has been, it seems like, completely frozen to a halt. Not only have they slowed down, but now they literally can't do anything at all. And and when you're talking about relationships, um, <laughs> hurry up and wait. How can you do that, really? It's something that that people still have the same social needs, but when they're not allowed to do the things that they need to do, that that actually makes the need um, exponentially greater 
right? When you're, when, when, for example, if you just want to reach out to someone that you love walking down the street that you happen to see right in front of the grocery store, and the, the thing that people are telling you is take a step back. How does that affect people when, when they have that need to interact and they, they literally have to put up a wall, an emotional wall in between them because of the physical space? What, how would you help people to deal with that kind of that, that shift in social energy? Am I back? Yes. Oh, I'm sorry. Did we have a technical difficulty? <laughs> I got so totally scammed. I was like, I got <laughs> shut out. <laughs> I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. Okay. And here's the other thing. I just want to say this for all of my listeners. You know what? Technology is as often the problem as it is the solution. So let's go ahead and, and go back. <laughs> okay. Hey, yes. I don't know exactly what you said, but uh, we talked about time <laughs> and everything. Um Wow. Okay. All right. So anyway, so we talk about time and everything, and I, I, I kind of put it on to this. You know, we have 168 hours in a week, right? Yes. And so we break it down into sections. We talk about, as an example, because guys and men, men and women are different. So we we spend 40 hours a week uh, at uh, work. We uh, 56 hours a week sleeping. Uh, uh, two hours a day, breakfast, ready for work, transportation, uh, two hours a week, <coughs> excuse me, 14 hours a week, 14 hours for dinner, 14 hours for downtime, and seven hours for free time. And then you have all this time you have uh, that uh, is now accounted for. It's like it's like when you when you do a budget. I don't know if you know anything about uh, Dave Ramsey. Oh, yes. But Dave, Dave, Dave Ramsey says you need to have – you need to attach – uh, every dollar to to whatever it is you're attaching it to. Yeah, right? yeah. So it's, the same, it's the same thing with time, but people don't focus on that because they, they think that they look at your time as in its entirety. Right. And if you break it down, and I always say this, you know, it's it's not about it's not about the time that you're using. It's just how much effort you're putting in whatever you're doing. In other words, if you if you work for forty hours a week, you you devote a hundred percent of your time doing that. Uh, when you, <coughs> when you're uh, when you're uh, having dinner, you you devote 100 percent of your time doing it. It doesn't mean you're you're spending your entire 100 percent of your time with everything else. It's just that laser focused on doing that, mm-hmm. and it's different. But uh, but a lot of times it's not easy, right? Right. So, uh, but I'm sorry, were you going to no, say go something? Ahead. Else? No, go ahead. Well, but but here's the thing. The bottom line is. Um, men and women are very different. And so one of the, one of my favorite, um, shoot, I'm thinking in Spanish now. Um, one of my favorite posters on the wall of a sister from my congregation when I was very young said it actually had a woman with eight different hands doing eight different things saying a man works from sun to sun, but a woman's work is never done. Okay. You know, the things that you've just allotted, you know, we've got work, we've got sleep, we've got eating, we've got travel time, we've got, you know, some downtime, we've got free time. Well, I've had three kids and I know for a fact that even when I'm asleep, I'm not really asleep. So how do you get the quality of your time and the quantity of your time distributed evenly? When, how can you use your time more wisely when you're literally going a mile a minute in every direction, like if you're at a, st- a stay-at-home mom? Well, when you're a stay-at-home mom, obviously, since I'm not a mom, I, I, I don't, I don't, I don't have any kids or anything. But uh, I, I've been around kids, kids enough to uh, know that it's a matter of uh, communicating with um, uh, your family, your spouse, and, and your yeah. kids. Because if if you don't let them know what you're feeling or how you're feeling and what you want, what what your expectations are, uh, you're going to start to start to resent. Um, what what's going on in 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 your life because you feel like you have to be all things to all people you just can't do that so I so the, so i think the the thing that uh needs to be accomplished is uh have some mommy time where uh mm-hmm. de- depending on how old the kids are because if you have a uh, a one-year-old you can't you can't do this all the time because they need a lot of your attention but if you've got kids that are old enough to realize that Hey, mom needs to go go in her own room and have her own mommy time and and just chill. Yeah, and and you have to you have to take the time to um, 
uh, you know, to breathe, to, to read, to, to listen to music, uh, to do, do things that, that are important to you. But you have to say, uh, you have to be very intentional with that and not, not think about all the other things you've got to do in your life. You just, you're right. focusing on you at that particular time. Right. Absolutely. And I think that's great that you said that because one of the things I've always said now, I've, I've had, you know, my three kids, they're adults now. They're all three adults. What I've always said to them was, trust me, you're going to, you're going to like what I am when I'm done here. I'm going to go ahead and take my time, like the way that you described. But then I also told them now I have to take care of daddy before I take care of you. (laughs) So, and a lot of people, you know, my husband's Mexican. I got a lot of flack for that. I got a lot of you know, how can you do that? How can you neglect your kids? But you know what? The, the really cool thing, Tom, is that every time I went back to the kids with my husband, they were absolutely fine because they knew that the quality of us both was better. When a woman, when a woman is angry at her husband for not taking care of her and a husband is angry at his wife for not taking care of him, they both take it out on the kids and they don't really realize that they, that they're doing that. But but when you're talking about a woman going into her room or her, her personal space and doing the thing, well, I knew how to do that because I had some really great people in my life growing up. How are you supposed to to know how to do that if no one ever taught you how to do that? Is that something that is complicated or is it a, a specific process? How can a man or a woman know how to do those things if no one actually spelled it out for them? Um, well, you, you know way? what? You, you know what? Google is my best friend. <laughs> okay, so I believe you. But but if if I want to look for something about something, uh, uh-huh. say for instance, if you want to talk about stress, man, you just you just type in stress, and man, there's going to be a thousand, a hundred thousand uh, websites in to talk about stress. Uh, you you'll glean some things from some of these things, and and then you 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 attach your uh, you, you you look at something that you think is going to be beneficial for for you for in other words when you talk about uh, all this uh, stress you need to identify how to react uh, to your stress you know you might have the blood, high blood pressure your heart rate's higher uh, you're you're speaking louder and you're yelling at kids you're yelling at your spouse and everything yeah um, and then you have these uh, lapses in judgment because you say things you don't really want to say and you regret right. saying it. Um, right. <laughs> but you get, but you but you have to imagine how those behaviors affect your kids and your spouse. Absolutely. And and the hardest thing is to realize you need to walk away instead of engaging in the confrontation, whatever it is. Because right now I hear so many stories of pe- people who are just freaking out over each other over over the smallest things. You ever argue about things that you realize after the fact that uh, that was so stupid? Yeah. Why are we arguing over something? <laughs> so inconsequential and, and and a lot of times we're not even focusing on the actual problem because there's an underlying issue that needs there to get addressed you and you and, and you're you're skirting right over that because you're talking about you didn't <laughs> you didn't wash the dishes correctly so and you didn't put the dishes away correctly well that's not the real problem is it right now there's something underlying underneath that and you need to address that but to get to that point you have to not do it in a, in a confrontational manner because it's not going to work because it's just I we've been married long enough and we realize and that's what my wife and I do mm-hmm. because we'll, we'll argue about something and she'll scream at me and I'll scream at her <laughs> okay <laughs> and then and then five minutes later she goes to her space and I go to my space we go back mm-hmm. and then and then we then we're okay and, and but you have to come to that have to come to that point says okay we can argue about something. But you can't hold on to it. And there's another thing about uh, uh, you know coping with stress. You know, you, you, talk, you always talk about breathing because the last the, when we were on the show on Monday, you were talking about breathing. Yeah. Um, if, you, if you try something like this, try, it's called the elevator breathing. Okay. You, know, you slowly breathe out uh, three times. Then you imagine you're in this elevator at the top of the uh, tall building, and you press the button for the first floor. And you watch the buttons for each level slowly uh, light up as the ele- elevator goes down. And as the elevator descends, your stress starts to fade away. Now, that's just one one aspect of the breathing. But the thing is, you're focusing on something else other than the things that engages you in the anger or the stress or yeah. the worry or anything like that. So, 
Okay, well, that's really good. And so all of my listeners can go ahead and Google <laughs> that. Say that again. What's it called? Elevator breathing? El- elevator breathing, yep. Is there a specific site that, or just just in general, there's going to be a million sites that are going to talk about that? Well, look it up. I mean, I, I don't remember right. how, how I looked it up, but I, <laughs> I, I, found, I found that out. I thought it was really good because uh, uh, I will we'll talk about this at some point, I'm sure, about what I did when I had a herniated disc. Um, we'll, we'll, we'll get to that. Okay. Um, so when it's about... I know that you've mentioned things like know your feelings. Well, isn't it easy to know your feelings? If you're having a feeling, it's it's pretty obvious what you're feeling. Isn't that the truth? Well, it, it is. But how many of us really take the time to think about our feelings, right? Okay. Uh, because here's the thing about because when you talk, start talking about your feelings, here's what we're up against. Everybody, we have like six, 60 to 70,000 thoughts in a day. Yeah. I know, that, I know that's a lot. Mm-hmm. 85, 85, 85% of what we th- uh, think about is negative. It's, okay. it's, 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 a, it's research. I don't know how they came up with the 85%. I don't know how they came up with the 60 to 70,000. But the point <laughs> is, is you're, but you're thinking about uh, all, all these negative thoughts every single day. And the following day, 90% of those same thoughts reoccur. Okay. So what we have to do as an individual is we need to reprogram our thought patterns. Our, uh, and when 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 a negative thought comes to mind, you immediately turn that around into a positive. Whatever it is that's going on in in, in your head or what's going on in your mind, what's going on in your life, you 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 have to reprogram your mind every single day, and it's a habit thing because it, uh, if you, you know, I'm not I'm not the kind of person who gets depressed. But a lot of people, they have this, uh, who are depressed, they think about all these things uh, uh, in a negative negative way. And then they have, each negative thing just piles on each other over and over again. This is what they think about, that's their process. Okay. Okay, so now, um, what I, I kind of want to do, because now I'm getting a, a hundred different thoughts in my mind and there's things that I want to ask you about and expand on. Um, what I basically tell people as a coach, um, when it comes to slowing down, there's three different things you need to take care of yourself. Now, everybody knows about the, when you're on the airplane, you put the mask on yourself first, right? Before you do your, your loved ones or, or the small people around you, when you have yourself in a better state, you're more capable of helping other people. But then the second one is improve your physical environment. Okay. And then the third one is actually improve the quality of your personal world. Those are three different things that when we're talking about slowing down and getting to know your feelings, noticing and name your feelings, um, tracking your emotions. One of the things that that I wanted to ask you because I really I really trust your opinion on this tracking your emotions how how can you do that because I've sorry let me take a step back here I've always thought that you have to physically be in a certain condition in order to mentally get in a certain condition in order to be able to emotionally perform a certain function let's just start with the very 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 core of your soul how can you track your emotions in order to slow your entire being down in response to them? Uh, I, I think it's uh, all about uh, uh, communication. Okay. Um, because uh, when, when you want to start tracking your emotion, um, I think so many people, they want to know what, uh, uh, they want you to know what you're thinking. But if you don't express how you're feeling, you're always going to have that underlying tension because uh, you, you worry about not getting the type of response you're you're going to get, and I, that doesn't answer the the thing about tracking. But let's say, for instance, we're talking about joy. You know, we yeah. give joy. Joy is an emotion. Okay. Okay. Um, you attach certain things in your life that give you joy. Mm-hmm. Uh, on the on the opposite end of that, when you talk about pain or anger. Uh, a lot of us, going back to our thought processes of, of 85% of what we think is negative, that's what we attach our thought process 
the two. But if you make a conscious decision, say, I'm going to think about all the things I'm great grateful for, all the things I have blessings for, the, the joy that I feel, you keep track of that, whether it's written down or, or in your mind, you think about this on a consistent basis. And everything we do uh, when we talk, start t- talking about habits, mm-hmm. you, do, you do it enough, it, it becomes a habit. Right. Um, and and when you start thinking about in that sense, there's got to be something that you have to be joyful about or, or grateful about every single day. So it's a matter of being grateful every single day when you wake up at, every time in the morning. Man, I get so tired of people saying that all the mm-hmm. time. Wake wake up being grateful. Yes. <laughs> and, and I, I, I hate it when people say that, but that's the truth, isn't it? It's the <laughs> yes. truth. Because if we don't, I mean, we wake up in the morning, we, we dread, we have this sense of dread uh, that overcomes us, particularly now with the, the, the virus uh, pandemic around here, because we think, okay, what's going to happen next? What's going to happen next? Well, you make it happen. You make your life happen. You make the joy happen in your life. You can't wait for someone else to give you joy. You've got to make that uh, happen in your life. Okay, but but when you're talking about the environment and the people in your life uh, telling them what's going on and making up making them a part of it, what if the people in your life genuinely don't want to give you the opportunity to do that? Or they are just personally dysfunctional, or they are genuinely um, selfish in that way. What do you do with the people in your life who are impeding that process for you? Absolutely nothing. Okay. We are married. Mm-hmm. Uh, you and I are married, and yeah. whenever we try to change our spouse, it ain't gonna work. Sorry, it's not gonna work. <laughs> okay. So, so the thing is, is um, you work on you. Right. You can't you can't control anybody else's behavior, their thought process, anything. You cannot control what they think or do. You can only control how you react. And that's the only way you can think about that, because if you start thinking, uh, I, I want to feel this way, but they're not letting me feel this way. Well, it's because you've allowed yourself to not you've allowed yourself not to be able to feel that way. You're not allowed to feel the joy because you're thinking about how they're going to react. You got to bag it, man. You, you got to do it for your own personal uh, mental health where, or health to, to do that. It's, as a, it's a very bold to say, and it's very strong to say, but uh, and sometimes it's selfish, unfortunately. But you've got to think that way. Okay, so when you basically just keep going in spite of the people, can you have those kinds of people in your environment and just not make them part of your experience? Or do you physically remove them in some way from your environment or emotionally remove them from your personal world? Well, if you're talking about your family, you're not going to really be able to do that unless you get to the point <laughs> where you just, you just can't do it anymore. If it's if it's friends who are toxic mm-hmm. uh, and constantly toxic, you need mm-hmm. to remove them as 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 best you can. doesn't mean you don't love them anymore. It just means you cannot surround yourself with a negative mind and people on a consistent basis because now you become negative. Okay. You have to make that decision. Uh, uh, if you want to maintain some kind of uh, uh, decent mental health, mm-hmm. um, you've got to make that decision. And it's a, it's a tough one. But uh, if you need to remove them, remove them. That's why I tell the kids with the, my work organization called Five Star Life. And we tell these kids, uh, you know, if you want to be, in, uh, if you want to be a turkey, hang around turkeys. If you want to hang, uh, be an eagle, you need to hang around eagles. Mm-hmm. And there's a big difference between those. Okay, and so, <clears throat> excuse me, <clears throat> we're not going to do any commercials today. I've just decided that we don't need to have any kind of breaks. We're going to continue this as a dialogue. Um, and if any of my listeners have a question or are interested in contributing to this little discussion. Uh, the number to the station here is 888-627-6008. Okay, so back to the conversation because I want to let other people participate if they're interested. Or, I'm sorry, they can go to the uh, station's website of bbsradio.com slash yours, mine, and ours. And there's a, a shout box there. You can go ahead and pose a question if you don't necessarily want to call into the station. And my fabulous producer, Doug, will go ahead and, and take a look and forward it to me. We're going to have sort of four different people going on in this conversation in three different ways. So 
bear with me as I'm as I'm getting used to all this wonderful new technology. Okay, um, so Tom, back to you. The fact yep. is, when you have something going on in your life that you're like, okay, I have good things that I'm doing and I'm focusing and there are certain people that I just want to have around me. That's part of your physical environment. And then caring for yourself, that's very important too. Okay. And then edifying your personal world. Um, Would you ever encourage someone to get to know the people that they're around a little bit better? Because when we're talking about literally not being able to be around people, that kind of makes it tough and when when we don't really have the interaction of our relationships should we just should we just wait until all of this passes before we even worry about that that kind of stuff because we're never going to get to see them we're never going to get to be around them it's kind of a moot point anyway is that really how people should feel because i know that's how a lot of them feel well i don't think the thing is is uh this with the coronavirus everything is an unknown right Exactly. And, and we have no idea how far things are, are going to go on. When you start worrying about those type of things, mm-hmm. uh, you, you lose focus on what you're doing on a daily basis. If you start worrying about the future mm-hmm. um, uh, that you have no control over, um, it's, 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 it's an unproductive way to live your life. And then as it relates to relationships and, and connecting with people, um, uh, don't get caught up with, hey, but today I need to talk to someone, okay? Uh, or tomorrow yeah. I need to talk to someone. Uh, if you want to go talk to someone, uh, you know, the way it is now, you either call them or FaceTime them or get them on Zoom or, or whatever. And that's pretty much our social interaction interaction right now. Um, but uh, when you go out in public, I'm, in, I'm out in public seven days a week. Mm-hmm. Uh, I work 65 to 70 hours a week. I and I'm, I'm, I'm out there. <laughs> constantly and i'm interacting with people i'm blessed to be able to do this but at the same time i'm thinking uh, is this the day that i'm going to get the virus because of <laughs> right. you know exactly um, but I'm, I'm able to do this but when when you get ice when you isolate yourself uh like this and and you you look at your life in isolation it's you're going to be isolated right um, but just just make a pointed effort to try to connect with somebody there's so many different ways to do this and here's here's what I do, okay? Okay. Um, during during Lent, every for forty days, uh, I send an encouraging message or text or, or phone call or whatever it is to someone, okay? Mm-hmm. And you're connecting with someone every single day, mm-hmm. and you're saying you're saying something nice. And here's what this does: it does two things. One is um, you're you're making someone else uh, feel better about themselves that day because here's, here's what I get a lot is uh, someone uh, will, a lot of people will come back and say, wow, I don't know why you sent this, but I needed to hear that today. Yes. Okay. Absolutely. Because you have no clue what's going on. And what that does, it not only helps them, it helps you as an individual because you're, you're taking your eyes off yourself mm-hmm. for that particular moment uh, and on to someone else. Yeah. And that's, that's such a, a, a huge, huge characteristic that I think a lot of people are missing out on because they get so focused on what's going on in their lives. Because I did this to one woman, uh, uh, I was helping her daughter because she was being bullied. And I sent her a really, really encouraging message. She says, uh, I don't know exactly why you sent this to me today, but I need to hear that today. And let me tell you why. It's because I tried to commit suicide. Whoa. And, and I was, I was taken aback. You know, yeah. I, and and at that point, I realized that uh, what I do, what I say to someone, can can actually uh, uh, change or alter the, their thought process on that particular day. It may not cor- correct the problem, in which most likely it doesn't. But right. at least they, they at least they know that somebody's out there who cares. And when you go back to the interaction, you know, you don't have to talk to someone every single day, but if you connect with someone. Uh, and just say something nice to someone. It's just, yeah. um, it just, it broadens, it broadens everyone else's life because they feel so isolated and they feel like uh, they're they're going to go nuts. But I want, I encourage anybody who's listening right now to just do that. Do it for a week. Do it for two weeks. I don't. It doesn't really matter how long you do this, and do it consistently and do it for the right reasons. Do not do it to get a pat in the back or or a praise or anything like that. You do it for the right reason, and it's it's a it's a joy. I love doing that. Yeah. Well, you know, and it's funny because as you were saying that, I was thinking about an example of something that happened to me very recently. Um, 
excuse me, my mother, when I was very young, she had some, she had some personal problems and without, you know, airing out dirty laundry, she did struggle and she did a lot of things and she said a lot of things that she didn't even realize at the time she was doing and saying they were very hard on me and they affected me. They undermined certain things about my self-esteem. Well, I had other people around in my life telling me, hmm, you know what? you're okay and this isn't going to be a problem and we're going to keep going and they gave me exactly what I needed in exactly the right way at exactly the right time and half the time I didn't even have to ask them for it and so when I was growing up I actually went through puberty pretty pretty well equipped and I had my head on my shoulders pretty well because I was just getting what I described as little pieces right that that I would sort of put together and create this bigger picture but then something happened to me about two weeks ago And the people who were in my childhood or were even in my recent history who had helped me do or be a better person all came flooding back to me. And then I was just like, oh, my gosh, this thing that just happened put a whole lot more of the pieces inside of me together. I feel this need to call up or text. Actually, it was a text. One of my friends And I told him, I said, you know what? You have no idea how important and special you are to me because what happened to me when I was a kid was absolutely horrible and it it devastated me. And you're like 35 years later and you, (laughs) you made me a better person. He called me back and actually said, you have no idea how much I needed to hear that. I said, are you serious? And he said, yeah, you don't have any idea how special you are to me. And I was always scared to tell you that you were special to me. But the fact that you just told me that I'm special to you totally just got rid of the wall that I felt because socially in between us because of all our culture, he's a very Hispanic man. And I was like, oh my God, you're, t- you know, the hearing the right words at the right time. I totally agree with you that the, the people who were around me as a child, I don't think they knew all of the little things that they did, how big they were. And then through the years, the people who sort of edified the things that I got were important. And then the people now who have, you know, put it all together, little things are very, very, very big. And so even if, like you said, just the little things that you're telling people or very brief, a text message or something, it can make the difference between, you know what, I was going to, I was going to take my life today, but you stopped me. That's a pretty good thing, right? It's not really a little thing anymore, is it? No, that, that floored me because I just, <laughs> and, and uh, some of these things just makes me, make me literally cry. I, I cry a lot. I'm very, I'm very empathetic. And, mm-hmm. and to see some of these messages that come back, I'm just, uh, I'm just more self-aware uh, of the world. And, uh, you know, you, you brought the thing about, um, about how you you were treated when you when you were younger and how uh, it was your mother right your mother said yeah, said yeah. and did things, but uh, this is what I always tell the the my kids for five star life and even those one are, are being bullied if someone says something to you or does something to you, mm-hmm. um, there's a couple things that I I always say is one is do you believe what they tell you is true about yourself, and if you can answer no then it's time for you to. Uh, take stock of your own self and realize that no matter what somebody says or somebody does to you, it's not true about yourself. Mm-hmm. And this, the second thing I do is if someone insults you, um, I, I, I just say, well, walk up or uh, just stand right in front of them, smile for about two or three seconds, don't say a thing, and just say, you know what? You know, I, I figured Joe would be the kind of person to say something like that to me, but I, you know what, Jim? I thought you had more character than that. Um, and the thing is, is you're awesome. And then you walk away. And right. what and what that does is you've empowered yourself. You at the beginning you talked about me uh, trying to empower people. This is the power. This is all about empowering yourself in, in front of people, mm-hmm. um, and uh, the best way you can. And uh, I know I don't. We're not talking about bullying or anything, but I just it goes with the, more than just bullying. It's just how you're being treated all the time. And that exactly. that if you would have been like that when you were younger, you knew how to do that, uh, you would have learned that lesson a long time ago. Well, and and I think just the fact that even if you grow and you mature, there are certain things that are going to stay with you. You just have to, because you're not necessarily going to eliminate the things that have happened to you. You have to sort of mold them and shape them to fit into um, who and what you are now, just in a proactive and productive way. Right. It's all about how you 
you apply <laughs> the things that you have and how you implement them. That's the word I'm thinking of, implement them into your life in a functional way. And <clears throat> and when you were talking about how you respond to people, I actually wrote an article about um, sexual harassment. You know what? It really is about how you respond to the people and how you communicate with people. But when I'm talking to people now, it's like, you know what? Our communication really is personal. It's very interactive. Um, not having that that physical proximity really does affect how we connect and how we relate to each other. I mean, it was great when this this brother from my congregation called me and and said, "Oh my gosh, you love me as much as I love you." I didn't want to tell you I loved you. I was sorry. Yeah, it was nice to hear that over the phone. But you know what? If he had been in front of me, oh my God, we would have squeezed the life out of each other. <laughs> we really would. Have. And and how how can people restore that part of their soul when something like this? It's literally against the law to see the smile on someone's face. You have no idea how much that pisses me off. Yeah. Um, when when you have to compensate for that in some way using what you have, what would you recommend? What would you suggest to people? Well, you always share this, and this is another phrase I hate: is uh, <laughs> we, we, we are now we, we are now living in the new normal. Okay. 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 <laughs> I, 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 but it, it, the, the fact is, that's true. Okay, because yeah. Yeah. Uh, everything is pre pre coronavirus, and everything is post uh, coronavirus, whether wherever that level is right. at any given day. So yeah. if you if you understand that uh, you know handshaking or hugging uh, is kind of off the off the table for right now. Ex- you have to kind of accept that and not not feel that you have to hold that in. Says, oh, I I miss that. I miss that. You can miss it all you want, and that's okay. There's nothing wrong with that. But you have to understand this is the this is the reality that you're living in today, uh, and you have to you have to move forward with it. Otherwise, you're going to go crazy thinking that uh, you'll never be able to hug someone again. Um, right. But uh, until that day happens, you focus on what you're doing today. And moving yourself forward for the for the next day, uh, and even though this all this whole situation is fluid, uh, it's it's going to be fluid uh, with your control. You control how you react to it, because uh, we've always talked about. You know, I I, I catch myself uh, listening to news news radio way way too much, <laughs> and. and okay. And I get uh, I get I get to the point where I just can't listen to it anymore. But it's like a, watching a train wreck. You know, you watch a train wreck and yeah. you think that uh, you uh, you don't like seeing what the the uh, results are going to be, but you watch it anyway, right? Right. And it's the same thing what we're going through right now. If you, if you focus on that, um, uh, it's <laughs> it's it's uh, it's self defeating for yourself. Well, yeah, and it's definitely going to undermine your undermine your personal progress, but. At the same time, here's the thing, and and I don't know about your neck of the woods, and this is one of the things that that we hear people talking about all the time, too, is what's happening in Texas isn't happening in Washington State. What's happening in New York is really not happening in Florida, (laughs) okay? Or, okay, what state do you reside in? Indiana. Okay, so... When some businesses are saying, you know what, you can go ahead and get food from my establishment, but you have to stand outside the door. Or some say, yeah, you can come in, you just have to sanitize and you have to have a facial mask. Okay. And and then other people are saying, no, you got to do drive through and we're all going to not touch each other. We're just going to do these are these are different things that you do have to adjust to and you do have to accept when you are around other people. Would it be better just to to kind of let let the situation be the way it is or or is it better to actually have a socially interactive, stimulating conversation. What what do you think in general is better, depending on the, the situation, the circumstance, the environment? Is the need different, or is it all inherently fundamentally the same human need? Well, just like they say, it, uh, it, you know, the social distancing, one of those uh, catchphrases that we hear, out, it's not, it's not, it's, it's social distancing, but it's not social isolation. That should never be the case. You can Thank still you. talk. You can still talk to someone mm-hmm. uh, at, at any any social situation, um, and and not worry about you know catching catching the virus. But as long as you're practicing that uh, the social distancing and and you you focus on that rather than what you can't do, as as you focus on what you can do. 
and you live within that realm of of your life because if you you just go mad thinking about all the things you can't do and when it comes to social interaction everybody needs it right well, most everybody needs I it. I was going to say, except introverts like my son. But yes, no, regularly people do need that. Yeah. So, I mean, don't, <laughs> don't, don't get caught up with saying, this is what I can't do. If you, if you know what you, if you know, you can get out there and, and, and start talking to people and, 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 uh, being responsible, you know, I, you know, like I said, I'm out, in the, I'm out in the public seven days a week Yeah. and, and I see a lot of people who are not practicing the social distancing not wearing mm-hmm. mask and it makes me mm-hmm. mad and it's uh does it uh well more than it should but i'm not going to spend the rest of this hour <laughs> talking about that because we'll never okay. get done so so anyway just the practices of the social uh lack of social isolation is okay okay i think we're having a little bit of technical difficulty again can you hear me i can hear you okay well. okay good good um yeah when it comes to um, social distancing. I, I feel like in my area, first of all, okay, let's just say Seattle is notorious for depression. Okay. For obvious reasons. And we don't need to go into that too. Now, the fact that when I am in an establishment, let's just say a a dollar store. Okay. Everybody's still going to be going to the dollar store. There are certain things that in life are never going to change. There's that the liquor store, there's hospitals, and there's the Dollar Tree. Okay, um, <laughs> when when people feel the urge to put the things on the conveyor belt next to yours, and then they have to go, oh no, wait a second, and they take a step back, they're actually embarrassed that they want to have that eye contact and they want to have that you know smile. A lot of people, believe it or not, a lot of people over here um, are resistant to the space and the masks they'll they'll do it because now it's actually a law but when they're deciding well god should i talk to this person or should i just look the other way should i deflect or should i pursue or should i do all of these different things um i think personally i think that when you reach out to someone and express a personal interest nine times out of ten you're going to get a good positive response even if they didn't necessarily want it on paper right on the on the surface i think deep down inside we all really do don't you well i do because that's that's exact you and i are we come from the same cloth because (laughs) uh, you know you you say gabrielle you say you're an introvert and everything but uh just just in the conversations we've had uh you're a giver yeah um with your emotions And, and when you're in front of people uh, and just likewise with me is I will go out of my say something nice to the person or just uh, open up the conversation with, with someone. Yeah. Um, and, and, and I do it, I do it graciously. I don't uh, try to force myself on someone. Uh, I don't, I make it genuine. I don't make it seem like it's like a, like I have to do this because when you start doing that, you start opening up yourself because when, when, if that's the only thing you're going to be doing today, man, you, you better start talking to people because you're going to go nuts <laughs> if you have to go home. Right. Exactly. Um, so, so if you get at the grocery store, man, this is what you, this is what you have to do. And when I'm on the road, if I see somebody walking, man, I will take my hand. And yes. I am going to wave at them. Right. And I, with my hand, just pump like I want to hit them with a, with a wave. Uh, and they, they, a lot of them will, some of them will just sheepishly put their hand up like this or like, you can't see me, but right. I put it on my hand. Right. Uh, but <laughs> it's like, who is this joker? You know, what, what, what's, what's his, what's his intention? But a lot, but a lot of times uh, they, they respond in kind and uh, it's, it's, it allows people to connect when they're not, they don't really know each other. Right. Right. And, and just even little things like a smile or eye contact, um, very important to people. They do mean a lot. In fact, one of the things that, that this brother from my congregation said to me, and okay, I'm going to try really hard not to cry right now when I, when I tell my listeners about it is he said, you know what, I've, I've had a lot of things happen to me when I've gone through my life. And so I do have massive social anxiety. I said, what are you talking about? How can you say that? And he said, no. And, and there have been times when I've been giving a, a discourse in the congregation in front of the entire group, the entire congregation in, in my organization gives presentations in front of the entire group. Um, and he says, you know, when I'm, when I'm thinking about how nervous I am being in front of that group. He said, I, I specifically look for your face because when you smile at me, 
my entire heart calms down and my entire body relaxes. And I said, are you serious? All I did was smile. And he said, but you know what? Your smile is genuine. And I went, oh my God, you know how many people now smile? It's not real, Tom, it's not real. A lot of it is perfunctory or it's fake or like what you were talking about earlier. It's with the expectation of something, you know, in return. How important is it to be able to genuinely smile at people? Because it's it's hard because people are sad to say that they're thinking about themselves and they start start thinking about all the bad things that are going on in their life and they find it hard to do this. And you know, uh, when we're talking, because uh, you're on the microphone and I'm on the microphone, but I can tell by by you talking, uh, you're smiling and your yeah. eyes are your eyes are lighting up. Yeah, um, and it's a shame that people can't see this because uh, uh, that's that's why I like to hear. But uh, I've seen pictures of you, and the smile that you have is is genuine. That uh, you really love your life, and until you get to that point, it's going to be difficult. Yeah, it, and it is difficult for people. And here's the thing that I say to people um, when, <clears throat> excuse me, if you really are not in a, a happy kind of place, just condition state, tell yourself a joke to get a genuine laugh of um, pleasure and entertainment and amusement, and then carry that kind of with you. And if you have to, oh my God, I can, without getting TMI on you here, um, when there are certain people in my family, my husband's family, I literally have to play certain music or I have to tell myself certain jokes or I have to have images in my mind in order to be able to have that smile that you're talking about, that genuine smile or the laughter. Because I got to tell you, I can get pretty gross. I can get pretty bad in my feelings and in my thoughts. And you know that women are exponentially more damaging than men. We have the ability, uh, the capacity to do things to other women and to men that are exponentially worse than men could ever do to women. Do you, when you're helping the people in your groups or in your organizations, you're teaching them how to get access to that good place inside of them. What are some practical exercises or advice, things that you suggest to people to get them into that good quality place? Uh, the, the first trait is to listen Okay, uh, and that's that's one of the biggest things is is you listen to what people say, and uh, you know particularly because the, the kids I have I have six to eight kids that are on, on in my table, mm-hmm. and one of the things that we do in in our group discussions is we interact we we interact with each other. So if there's an issue someone's going through, uh, everyone else comes in comes in there and and they try to help that person. They give that person advice, um, and. And what's really nice about this is uh, you develop a friendship with with this a bond with these these yeah. group, of, group, group of kids. It's an amazing. I, these are uh, grades six through eight, and each year I end up having eighth graders move on to to high school, and I'm devastated by that. Yes. Um, but but the thing is, is we the, the biggest thing is is you need to um, uh, and again, I always go back to this: is you take your yourself your eyes off yourself and onto someone else, and uh, uh, and that's one of the biggest things is we, the five core values that we talk about in Five Star Life are, are sacrifice, integrity, respect, responsibility, and courage. And we teach these kids um, these values uh, every year and nice. in different, different elements of what we talk about as it relates to life, you know, as, as they are experiencing and what they will experience it. Yeah. And, um, and they learn these traits and amazing how – see the transformation when they come in the first first day of the year and if they stay with us for the entire year they transform themselves to be mm. uh, in, incredible incredible human beings yeah. um, but what you have to do is we call them we're coaches basically we call we're called coaches we put we put our lives into their lives and we let them know that we care because they're going through situations in life whether they don't uh, have uh, they're in a single parent household or or you know their foster kids or whatever their situation is at home it's not good and mm-hmm. we're the surrogate, surrogate fathers I had one boy this year say you know what I've got a father at home but you're more you're more of a father to me than my father is yeah 
you know, and those type of things where it just, I feel so blessed that I'm able to, to pour my life into these kids because uh, it's changed my life. Yeah. And you know what? And I didn't believe that because I was in that situation. Like I, I mentioned to you, my mom, she did some things and she said some things that really, they hit me pretty hard. But the people that I had in my life, like um, the elders in the congregation, because it's not just one priest, it's a group of elders. But there was one in particular that <clears throat> as I was basically from seven to 10 years old, because we were in a, a part of federal way for a while, my mom was a, a flight attendant. And I, oh my God, Tom, you have absolutely no idea how much I would go up to the elders before and after the meetings. I would ask them questions. I would want their attention. I would beg them for affection. I would do like just constantly, constantly things. Sometimes I did actually have genuine questions about the Bible or about spirituality or about my responsibilities to God. But for the most part, I just wanted them to tell me that they loved me. And as I was growing up through the years, I would have flashbacks to this one particular group of, of elders. And I thought, oh, my God, I cannot believe they put up with me. I, I don't even know what they were thinking when they saw me coming from, you know, the other side of the building. They would they would see me approaching them because, man, I had my tunnel vision and a volition that you couldn't even cut with a knife. Now, I was, I think, was about four years ago, I went back to an assembly and I literally said to my husband, I said, you know what? I would give anything to see Brother Whitmire. I mean, I know because we're in another area and we're in another time in another place. That's never going to happen. But do you know that going back to this building that we went to together at one time, it's bringing up a whole lot of stuff inside of me. And he said, and you know what, sweetie, I bet he's thinking about you too. Because we do kind of believe in that. In that, And and I, I walked into the building. Oh, my God, Tom, do you know who was walking toward me that morning? Same guy. Oh, my God, that same guy. And I just went, I saw him and I, my heart started racing and I ran up to him and I put my arms around him and I was like, oh, my God, I can't be here. I can't believe you're here. I love you so much. I, I don't think I can let go. Is that OK if I never let go of you? I love you so much. And he just kind of chuckled. I, I, and he said, I said, who are you? I, I said that to him, to, yeah. to the elder. I said, I, I can't let go of you. Is that OK? And he said, absolutely. And as I took a step back and I looked at the grin on his face, I was like, oh, my God. And then I thought, OK, you know what? I need to know the truth. I'm an adult now. And yes, I still love him, but I got my breathing down. I said, if there if there was one word that you could use to describe me as a young girl, what would it be? And he got real quiet. I said, and you know what? It's okay. You can tell me the truth. I, I can handle the truth. And I know you still love me. I'm not going to flip out. And he got real, real kind of this grin on his face. And he said, enthusiasm. And I went, oh, my God, that, that's almost a compliment. Oh, my God. And I like started to well up again. I said, um, excuse me, I'm going to go to the bathroom right now. I'll see you later. And he goes, you're going to start bawling, aren't you? I said, yes, I am. Is that okay? He <laughs> goes, I love you so much, sweetheart. I'll see you at lunchtime. You know what? Yeah. Oh, my God, Tom, you're doing that for people in what you do. That goes for years Yep. and years. I've been doing so, this for 13 years. <laughs> there you go. Thank you so much. We got to wrap up the show today, but thank Fred. you for, I know <laughs> it's already 55 minutes now. Um, um, and and I want you to tell people how they can find out more about you and your show before we go. Go ahead and give us all the information. Okay. My show is uh, every Monday night, uh, 9 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. It's w4wn.com. And if you can't happen, if you don't happen to listen to the show on that particular night, you can uh, catch my show. Look up uh, Life Without Limits uh, on uh, iHeartRadio, um, uh, all these different platforms. But uh um, but, uh, just, do, uh, just do that then. Okay. Well, thank you very much. And before we, we head on out today, I just want to remind all of my listeners that relationships are not just about the two people involved. It's about what they create together. So this week, take a look at what's in your life, your relationships, what's yours, what's mine, what's ours. I'm your host, Gabriella Cardona. Thank you so much for listening. We'll see you back here same time, same place, BBS Radio.